Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash my money health check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. We've produced something that we're calling the Priority Places for Food Index, and this ranks areas across the UK on the likelihood of people needing support to keep themselves fed. You go to the supermarket, so you pay for the fuel to come back home and go there. Then you pay for the high prices, so it all together adds up. We started uh, 11 years ago, and I think at that stage uh, there were only two food banks in Birmingham. There's now about 10. As the cost of living crisis deepens, last month's grocery inflation hit 14.7%, according to research from Kantar. So this week, we'll be deep diving into climbing food prices, uncovering the areas in the UK that are likely to be hit the hardest, as well as the changes we at which are urging supermarkets to make as households are bracing for a difficult winter. To discuss all this and more, I'm joined by the brilliant Witch senior researcher and writer, Ellie Simmons. Hi, Ellie. Thank you for joining us. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, to go back to the almost 15% grocery inflation I mentioned just now, it's been reported that this equates to an extra £682 a year for shoppers if they don't trade down for cheaper products or buy less food and drink, which is a heck of a lot. And, you know, personally, I feel like every time I go to the supermarket now, I notice a price increase that I'm shocked by. And Ellie, you've been looking into how people across the UK are coping and how they're having to change their their eating habits. And it's a worrying picture, isn't it? It's a really worrying picture. We found that millions of households are skipping meals as they struggle with the cost Mm -hmm. of living. And that's really worrying. Those who said they're struggling financially among those group, half of those said their household was skipping meals and nearly half, 46% of consumers said they're finding it harder to eat healthily um, now compared to before the crisis. And that's another kind of worrying um, spin-off from all this, I think. That goes up to eight in 10 um, of those who are finding it very difficult financially. And our research shows that more than eight in 10 people in the UK are making changes to save money on their food as a result of the cost of living crisis. And and I guess that's probably not really surprising. But some of those changes include, you know, looking out for food that's on promotion, changing down to cheaper products in the supermarket, you know, trading down a, a line or perhaps moving from branded to own label, buying expensive or treat foods less often, mm. shopping around, switching supermarkets. I mean, we we know um, that these are all good things to, to help save money, but these are things that people are, are already doing and buying more frozen food um, is, a, is another big one. Um, and then, of course, skipping meals as well. So, mm. so people are already really feeling this pressure um, 
and that's now and I think things are probably only be, going to become more difficult as as the winter progresses. And can we break down then where we're seeing the biggest increases in food and drink? Ellie, do we know which items are, are rising faster than the rest? We do. I think we, we all know that that almost everything is rising pretty fast at the moment, mm-hmm. but in particular, um, margarine, milk and dog food are rising the fastest. Um, and I think particularly with milk, I've certainly seen that in my weekly shop and I imagine you guys have too. Um, it feels a little bit like every single time I do my weekly shop, the milk has gone up by five or 10 pence each time. And, and when you look at that across a year it really adds up it's a huge amount um margarine too obviously lurpak has been in the news um for the price rises on that and then dog food as well so in general terms there the three items that are going up the fastest but as i said everything is going up pretty rapidly amongst the um, budget food so the lowest price items the office for national statistics has just released some new research that shows that the price of pasta tea chips and cooking oil has all soared in particular recently Um, and vegetable vegetable oil in particular has gone up by 65 percent in a year which is an astonishing figure really isn't it it absolutely is. I mean, you mentioned budget foods there. So can we talk a little bit, a little bit more about the different ranges um, and how these are changing? Can we put supermarket own brands against the most expensive ranges? And have we noticed a difference here at all? So we did some research um, earlier this year in June looking at this. Um, and we're actually currently doing a bit of research as well, but I don't have the the results of that just yet but the research that we did earlier this year did show differences between um, different ranges of items Um, and luckily our research at that time did show that budget items were going up less quickly than the mid-range stuff and the premium stuff which is how you would hope that it would be Um, Mm. and we found that the premium premium ranges were going up the most standard ranges a bit less and the budget ranges the least Um, but obviously in the world of food prices things are changing so rapidly that that actually may not be the case any longer and this recent research from the ONS does show huge price rises amongst budget items the lowest priced items and they are the items that the people who are really struggling to afford food really rely on so in some ways you could argue that that the price rises on those are are more significant than anything else and of course there is the fact that your local supermarket might not stock any uh, of the cheapest brand so you might have to to buy one of the more expensive ones Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's something that Witch is very aware of and something um, that we're campaigning on at the moment. Uh, we would really like to see more budget lines available in more supermarkets across the country and in particular in the places that need them the most. Well, let's talk a bit more about that now then. You know, I think it's clear that more needs to be done to prevent households having to skip meals and go without. It really is something we shouldn't have to say. But let's talk now about the campaign we've just launched at which it's called Affordable Food for All. And it's calling on supermarkets to do more to help those most in need. So Ellie, as part of your research into this, you've uncovered the parts in the UK where people are most likely to struggle to access affordable food. Ellie, why is this? What are the problems you've identified? So we've done a a really innovative new study um, alongside researchers Mm. from the University of Leeds, where we've crunched um, hundreds of data points, thousands and thousands of data points um, across the country 
and we've produced something that we're calling the Priority Places for Food Index. Um, and this ranks areas across the UK on the likelihood of people needing support to keep themselves fed. And some of the factors that we've included in that include things like a lack of large supermarkets nearby. We've looked at access to online shopping deliveries. Um, and we've also looked at, at factors such as income, access to cars um, and a range of other factors that can make it more difficult for people to get access to affordable food. It's such an amazing piece of research, Ellie, and, and really very needed. And listening to you talk about it, it makes such a lot of sense. You know, just that example of if you don't have a large supermarket near you, you might have to get a bus to it, um, which could cost a few pounds there and back. If you've got children with you, it could cost even more. Can you go into a little bit more detail then about the areas that are most likely to be affected? Yeah, so um, our research is hugely detailed. Um, and so we've got loads and loads of information about which areas are likely to be most impacted. So we know um, that in, within England, the North East is the worst impacted region. Um, and we know that, that there are a lot of areas in the North East that are likely to be in dire need of extra support. Um, and that's due to things like relatively poor access to online shopping deliveries, uh, a worse than average um, proximity to supermarkets and a higher need for family food support. That's things like free school meals um, and take up of healthy start vouchers, which all support people um, with um, affordable food. There are other regions in the in England as well, um, Yorkshire and the Humber, the West Midlands and the North West. They've all got at least a third of local areas in need of extra help. And we also know that constituencies in Birmingham and Liverpool feature heavily at the top of our index. When it comes to Wales, um, that's got a higher proportion of rural places where accessing affordable food is an issue. And I think that that obviously makes some sense. Mm. The highest concentration of areas affected by the food crisis is in the valleys um, where where. Um, uh, proximity to a large supermarket or access to online deliveries could be very poor. In Scotland, we've also found there's the highest need of support around the central belt and a notable concentration in and around Dundee of areas with relatively poor access um, to online food deliveries um, and, and a more people than average likely to be suffering from fuel poverty and on a low income. And we've got similar results for Northern Ireland as well. And that's got even more of a spread of areas in need of support to access affordable food, in particular, a, a noticeably greater concentration in the southwest suburbs of Belfast and in and around Derry and London Derry. We really are hearing the same story up and down the country, aren't we? And you visited an area in Birmingham recently called Hodge Hill. Can you tell us a bit more about that area in particular and why you wanted to visit? Yeah, so we went to um, Hodge Hill in Birmingham because it's the highest ranking constituency in England in the index and a 100%, so all of its local areas are considered as needing extra support to put food on the table. Wow. We went along, myself and, and a colleague, Harry, went along to the Aston and Nichols Food Bank, which is just on the edge of Hodge Hill in Birmingham. Um, and that serves an area that's categorised by poor online delivery access, high levels of fuel poverty, and people in the area having a, a relatively low income or no car access. 
So we went along, visited the food bank, um, chatted to people there about the problems they're having accessing affordable food. And we also had a walk along the Alum Rock Road, which is um, nearby as well, and talked to people there about the problems they're having. Um, and, and the issue there really is, is a lack of access to large supermarkets. Now, there are a number of, of smaller supermarkets and smaller shops that sell food, um, but it's those large supermarkets that often sell the most affordable food for people. Um, and where the food bank is, there isn't a large supermarket for about two miles. Um, and the one that there is, um, isn't easily served by bus routes and when you do take the bus it costs four pounds a person so sometimes that can completely wipe out the savings you're making on the food that you're buying so it was a really interesting visit to Birmingham Hodge Hill and and it really kind of shows the issues that that the um the food index that we've developed show well, let's hear then from the community itself. Here are some recordings of people Ellie spoke to in Hodge Hill, along with our video reporter, Harry Kind, about the struggles they're facing getting affordable food. Normally this road is packed. Or people are shopping here. They've got no shopping, grocery shops here ever. The new vegetable shops here as well. All the guys, all takeaways. And clothes shops, we don't need that. And, and they're all expensive anyway. You can't afford it. I hope the good comes in the future, but at the moment, everybody's struggling. You go to the supermarket, so you pay for the fuel to come back home and go there. Then you pay for the high prices, so it all together adds up. And let's also hear from a few others you spoke to on your trip to Birmingham. First, we'll hear from David Fletcher, chair of Aston and Neitchell's Food Bank. And then we'll hear from Jenny Lung from local charity Birmingham Settlement. We started uh, 11 years ago, and I think at that stage uh, there were only two food banks in Birmingham. There's now about 10, uh, and we're all volunteers. We're seeing a a really large increase. July 2021, the first week of of that month, uh, we fed 53 people. Um, This July, the same equivalent period, it was 156. We're so busy, and we're seeing a lot of like the same issues, um, rent arrears, electricity arrears, can't afford food. We are aware of the fact that, it, that, that where this food bank is, there's no supermarket within um, two miles and the nearest supermarket you can't get to by bus from here. So bus fare, like for an adult one day, that's four pound. If you've got children to take with you, that could be more. It's not convenient, it's more expensive. When they're faced with a choice between putting food on the table and um, maybe they they have to switch off the central heating or something like that. We certainly uh, know of families where uh, the parents sort of feel they've got enough money to feed the children, but uh, not themselves. Uh, And uh, we uh, sometimes uh, offer them a cup of tea and some biscuits. And those biscuits on a Monday sometimes used to vanish very fast. And you kind of felt that the person had been uh, more or less starving at the weekend and was uh, just glad to get any food. Now, Ellie, while we're on this, there are a number of ways that you can donate to a food bank, aren't there? And for any listeners who would like to know and are able to donate, can you point them in the right direction? Yeah, food banks are really struggling at the moment. And um, a number of them have said that already. And I think that's only going to get worse. The food bank that we visited in um, 
in Aston and Neitchell's, they were saying that last year they helped about 75 people a week at their food bank. A couple of weeks ago, it was more than 200 a week. So it's a huge increase. And that's really before the kind of the, the worst part of the winter has hit and, and the worst um, food price rises and fuel rises and all the other rises we're seeing um, down the line are, are hitting. So I think that's only only going to become more pronounced. So there's a huge need. And food banks, obviously, you can donate in supermarkets. Usually you can donate um, boxes of food, non-perishable items, tins and so on. There's usually a basket at the back of the supermarkets. They're also usually drop off points around communities and you can usually drop off food at the food banks themselves as well. But what food banks really after, if you can, is money. So money really helps them buy what they need, what they need that particular week. And they can really then target um, the things that they need the most. Otherwise, they risk everybody donating tins of chopped tomatoes and baked beans, but very little else. So so food is a brilliant donation if that's what you can do. But if you can give money, that really helps them kind of be more efficient and, and buy the things they really need for that particular time. And Ellie, we've already started to mention the kinds of changes that which is urging uh, supermarkets to make. Can you tell us a little bit more about the campaign? So while Witch believes the government has an important role to play in all of this, we also think that supermarkets have the ability to provide really helpful support in the areas that need them most um, by making sure that food is available and affordable and that prices are easier to understand to make budgeting easier for people. So we're launching our Affordable Food for All campaign, and that calls on the supermarkets to really step up and help all households keep food on the table. We've got a 10-point plan that focuses on the ways that supermarkets can support people in three main areas. The first is clear and transparent pricing, so people can really understand what the cheapest items are and and make sure that, that they're buying what they need to at the right price. Ellie, can can you just pause there and explain a little bit more about what you mean about prices needing to be more transparent? We've done a big piece of research about unit pricing, and that's the price that you see, um, hopefully, on the shelf label that tells you um, the price per 100 grams or 100 millilitres. So it enables you to compare the price of slightly different products of different sizes to know really which is the cheapest. We want to see this unit pricing prominent, legible and consistent across in-store and online so that people can really make easy price comparisons across different brands and sizes of products and packaging. It can be a bit of a minefield, can't it? And I remember we covered um, the research you did on this recently in the podcast. And you also found that where there were multi-buy promotions, unit pricing wasn't even available in some instances. Yeah, so this is a really big issue that we found. So when there are promotional offers, in particular multi-buys and um, in the case of Tesco in particular, where they do their club card prices, there aren't unit prices on those. So while there are unit prices on the kind of standard stuff and the standard Mm. prices, when you get a promotion, a multi-buy or a loyalty card price 
often there isn't unit pricing on those. And so that then makes all comparisons really hard to do. Mm. So that's something that we're very strongly calling for. We really want to see that unit pricing on those supermarket promotional offers to enable people like you and me and other people who really want to find the cheapest items being able to do so, basically. So, so needed, Ellie. Um, okay, so that's that's area one of the three you mentioned. Can, can we hear about the other two? The second one is having the right products available in the right place so shoppers who need them have access to affordable ranges. So this is things like we want supermarkets to provide a basic range of essential budget lines um, across stores across all stores, but particularly in locations where people need the most support. And this is where our food index comes in that I was talking about earlier. We've identified those areas in in massive amounts of detail where people are most likely to need extra support. And they are the particular areas that we really want to see supermarkets concentrating their efforts on. So we want to see a basic range of budget lines across all stores, but in particular in those locations where people need them most. We also want supermarkets to consider places like Birmingham Hodge Hill, where um, online deliveries are a a bit of an issue where it's harder to access large stores. So we want supermarkets Mm. to consider adapting their minimum spend requirements for online deliveries um, to increase options for households um, with poor supermarket access. So that might be, for example, lowering the minimum amount you have to put in your basket in order to qualify for an online delivery, for example. And your last point, Ellie, is is to make eating on a budget more appealing and easier. What do you mean by that? We want supermarkets to focus their promotions, their recipes and advice to show that lower priced food can also be healthy and sustainable and tasty so that they can appeal to all of the communities that they're serving. So what we don't want is supermarkets to only focus on the kind of unhealthy, unsustainable items. We want to show and we want the supermarkets to show that you can save money and still be healthy and still eat sustainable. And that's totally possible. Um, But we just want supermarkets to focus on that in their marketing, in the recipes they put out and the advice that they give. And I should add, we have an online petition to get supermarkets to take action, which we'll put a link to in the description for today's episode, which also includes our full action plan. Now, Ellie, to finish, can you leave us uh, with some of your top tips, what you think we should go away with uh, from today's episode to help people bring down their shopping where they can? There's loads of good ways you can help bring down the cost of your shopping. Um, and I know it's really expensive for everybody at the moment. And these these tips will will only kind of help a bit, but they but nonetheless, they will help somewhat. Um, so shopping around, I mean, it might sound really obvious, but where you do your grocery shopping can make a huge difference. Um, and we every month do a cheapest supermarket analysis mm. and we have a trolley of goods um, and every month we we run that through our kind of statisticians and we get the prices on that trolley of goods to find out which is the cheapest supermarket every month. So obviously um, Aldi and Lidl are usually the cheapest Asda is a good bet if you don't have an Aldi and Lidl near you. Um, Waitrose and Ocado tend to be the most expensive. So if you can switch supermarkets, Mm. it often pays to do so. Um, And obviously, you know, back a a few years ago, you were kind of um, stuck really with your local supermarkets. But nowadays with online shopping, it actually opens up a whole range of supermarkets that perhaps weren't available to you before. So 
shopping around is is absolutely the kind of number one tip really there are loads of other things people can do too um, we touched on it earlier avoiding convenience stores they can be quite significantly more expensive than than their larger equivalents choosing own label over big brands they tend to be cheaper own label food and drink and within own label you can also trade down so so there are different kind of tiers of own label so premium standard and budget you can always trade down mm. to make decent savings and often you're not sacrificing the taste we do taste tests fairly regularly that show that that supermarket food and drink often beats some of its kind of better known equivalents other good tips, join a supermarket loyalty scheme if, if you don't mind giving them a little bit of your, your data. I mean, if you're a Tesco customer, you almost have to do that now, don't you really? Because otherwise you don't get any of the promotions, it seems. Yeah. If you're a Tesco shopper, it will absolutely save you money to be part of their loyalty scheme. Um, you know, wh- whether or not you're a fan of loyalty schemes, that that is how it is at Tesco. Mm. And obviously there is a, a trade-off between you giving um, Tesco or whichever supermarket it is lots of detail about your shopping habits so if you're happy with that then absolutely it, you know it can save you money um, but obviously I'm also conscious that, that that sometimes some people are less happy with that as an approach. Another good tip is to stock up when you can so prices really fluctuate in supermarkets and I'm sure everyone's noticed that doing their shopping but we found that prices can fluctuate by up to 284%, which is amazing, really. Um, So it's particularly on branded items. So if you buy branded items regularly, you know, let's say breakfast cereal, for example, or coffee, they're two, two things that I buy branded items fairly regularly you'll notice that they they the prices change um, usually on a three or four weekly basis so when they're at the lower price stock up if you can you know if they're non-perishables if you've got the storage space at home stock up and then you're not forced to buy them the next week when they're back on full price again so that's another good tip if you if you can Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Ellie. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch us again next week. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was recorded, produced and edited by Rob Lilly with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matt Jenkins.